straight ahead with the 606 Club from Midnight Wednesday. Then at the start of another two hours of straight head brought to you as ever along with london's leading music venue the 606 club of chelsea the track that we just listened to is from an artist that is with us at the club this coming friday cat eaton is on stage from nine o'clock and she's recently released an album called talk to me originally from sheffield now living down in london and making quite the name for herself it's a great album go and take a listen it's available to buy on all the normal platforms now we're going to go to one of our club favourites, Jim Mullen, but this is going back to the 80s when he was recording albums under the Morrissey Mullen 
banner, of course, with uh, saxophonist Dick Morrissey as well. And uh, this is the album that's called Badness. It was originally released on the Beggar's Banquet label back in 1981, and it's their take on the Stevie Wonder original, Do Like You.
Morsi Mullen and Do Like You. Our guest on the show this week is trumpeter Steve Fishwick, who is with us at the club on Saturday, along with Leon Greening. We're going to be hearing all about that gig and, of course, the career of Steve in just a little while's time and featuring his music on the show this week too. But speaking of trumpeters, somebody we had on earlier this year was Jackson Mathwood. It's an interview well worth going back and listening to. He's got so much energy. Busy, busy, busy now, I see. Gigging everywhere. He's all over your social media. This is taken from his album that was released earlier this year, and this is Cretins.
artists with us at the club this week are Ray Gelato and Marco Marconi, Kat Eaton, from whom we've already heard, Steve Fishwick, our guest this week, and Leon Greening. They're on uh, Saturday evening with their Soul Time gig. And then on Sunday evening is going to be Emma Hatton. We've got music from all of those artists through the course of the show this week. Next to play, though, is a track from Ray Gelato, along with Claire Martin, and this is them with The Coffee Song. this week too it was released last friday on the 6th of august the album is called nostalgia machine and it's uh, from the icelandic guitarist mikhail marni we've got three tracks coming from that album it's a beautiful album actually i took a listen to it over the weekend and i say three tracks coming up in the course of the show 
Somebody I haven't played in a long while. He's one of my favourites. A good friend, I'm glad to say as well. Vasilis Nopolis, regular with us down at the club. He released an album a few years ago called Dexterity. And from that, it's the standard Montmartre.
episode two, the first track from our featured album that I was talking of, Nostalgia Machine by Mikhail Marnie. It's his second album, and although he comes under the title of jazz, he kind of describes his sound more as jam, which was new to me, a new phrase to me, a blend of jazz, rock, and impressionism. It's, a, I say, a beautiful album to listen to. This is the first track of three we've got on the show this week, and this is Two Sisters. Thank you. 
hints of Jim Hall about his tone and style of playing. That's the first track from our featured album this week, Nostalgia Machine, from Icelandic guitarist Mikhail Marley. More tracks to come later on in the show. But now it's time we get to meet this week's guest, who I mentioned is trumpeter Steve Fishwick, who is with us at the club this coming Saturday, along with Leon Greening. They're performing the Soul Time gig. If you go over to the website 606club.co.uk, you'll find more details there. All the tracks we're going to play from Steve on the show this week, you'll be able to find on the website hardbotrecords.com. You can buy them there. The first track that we're about to play is Dial J for Jackie from the Empire State album. And it features Steve, of course, on trumpet, along with his twin brother, Matt, on the drums. There's a Cyan Roberts on tenor sax, Frank Basile on baritone sax. You've got Jeb Patton on piano and Mike Kahn on bass. Here's Dial J for Jackie. And then we get to meet Steve Fishwick. You're listening to me, David Lewis. And this is Straight Ahead. Straight Ahead. Jazz and conversation.
so we are here this week with Steve Fishwick. Steve, hello. Welcome to Straight Ahead. Hello. Thanks. I know you're a busy old man at the moment, so uh, we'll keep it as brief, not to interrupt your day too much. But uh, you've got a gig with us at the club, of course, in a couple of days' time. So it's very apt that we should get you on. But uh, if we just go back to the early days, reading up about you, you clearly were influenced by your parents. They were big band listeners, weren't they? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I maybe overemphasized that in my, in my <laughs> bio on my website. But um, I read, I, I mean, trust. Yeah. A, <laughs> no, I mean, my dad used to listen to all kinds of music and like, you know, pop music of the day, 1980s. You know, he likes dad rock and, right. <laughs> you know, Dire Straits and uh, Phil Collins and stuff like that. And I got, I still got a bit of a soft spot for that stuff. You know, it feels nostalgic when I hear that stuff. Your dirty secrets are coming out. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> the man of jazz weekends. Don't tell anyone. Yeah. <laughs> your, your gigs will dry up suddenly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, it's just nostalgia, isn't it? When you hear the music that was around when you were a kid. Yeah. You know. you but were, anyway. You were growing up in Manchester, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah, we were. But my my mum had a, um, she had a tech, she had this tape, they used to play music in the car, you know, driving us around and stuff. And uh, but she had this tape, Joe Lost plays Glenn Miller. Oh, good grief. That's taking me back. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I got obsessed with this thing. I just loved it. I was already playing music, but classical. So, uh, so I wasn't really, you know, I, I didn't know any, really any, know anything about jazz. So this was kind of my gateway into jazz, bizarrely enough. You know, from there, I kind of ended up getting into Charlie Parker. That's, that's, a, that's a jump. I know, gradually, <laughs> gradually. I mean, I make it sound like it's Charlie Parker. Jump, but, and I started listening to like Louis Armstrong. Of course, and, yeah. Like, you know, um, swing bands like Jimmy Dawson and things like that and just kind of gradually I oh, see my upbringing was on Ted Heath my old yeah. wife used to listen to a lot of Heath and Kenton yeah 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 so you said that you were classically trained is that right initially well I wouldn't say that but I mean you know I did my grades and stuff and I had a good teacher a good classical he, he used to play at one time with the Halle and stuff he's name with John Cross mm-hmm. so just really inspiring teacher, positive and really. He had a, uh, the main thing that I remember is he had a real curiosity about it. So a lot of people, a lot of teachers, I think, if they're teaching you classical, they'll kind of frown upon the jazz. Maybe it's different now, but that. And, um. I've heard that many times, actually. Yeah. And he was, he was never like that. He was as, um, as curious about it as, as we were, you know. So, uh, so that was great. And he was really encouraging. We'd, we'd be going to see gigs. I remember going to see, uh, see Dittick Gillespie play at the Free Trade Hall. Oh, wow. And, uh, and the next, the next lesson that I had with John, Mr. Crogsdale, he, he came with like, he was there as well and he came with a flyer. Oh, no, the program. And it was signed by Dizzy Gillespie and Arturo Sandoval. And he'd gone backstage and he was, to talk about trumpet and, and stuff with Arturo and all this stuff. And I was just like, wow, that's amazing. You know, and he gave us the program with Dizzy's signature and everything. And was it always the trumpet for you? Um, yeah, always from age eight. I don't really know why. No, it's an interest. I, I've never quite got to the bottom of it. It always seems that the instrument chooses the person. You, you know, why you have, because for those that don't know, you've got a, an identical twin brother and he yeah. had to pick drums, you pick trumpet. And it, it's just why, isn't it? Well, that's why I keep saying we. I should have explained that. But um, yeah, he well, he started on trumpet. Matt started on trumpet before he switched to drum. 
about 13. So, um, who was the first to pick up an instrument, or were you both m- much the same time? Uh, around the same time, it was me first. Matt mm-hmm. made fun of me, so <laughs> he wanted to play as well. So, so uh, you're probably getting I'm, attention. I'm yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's my fault, it's all my fault. <laughs> so what was the, the, the sort of the route through school then? Obviously you were taking lessons and you played at school. Did you do the county bands and what was the yeah, route we for were, you? We were out every night playing music bands and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, all all the time. I mean, my poor dad, you know, driving us around and oh, stuff. The parents, but, I know, they put it in their yeah, miles, yeah. don't they? Yeah, I, I didn't realise at the time, but um, I look back at it now and I'm like, wow, the sacrifices that they made, you know, it's incredible. It is. You look thank, back at thanks, woman. <laughs> so, because I know you ended up at Ram, but you first went to Salford, didn't you? Uh, no, uh, no, I just went to uh, the Royal Academy of Music in in London. Oh, that's my mistake. It's been to, I had Mike Gorman on last week, and I'm sure that yeah, said that you two met. Salford. Yeah, I thought you two met there, but but yeah. maybe he was talking about being part of the same scene yeah, in Manchester. Yeah, there was a bunch of guys there that are around, still around in London now, like Mike Houchin, Mike Gorman, um, Steve Brown. Uh, gosh, who else? There was a bass player called Matt Miles. He's I think he mentioned him actually. Yeah, left music and went. To, uh, he's a primary school headmaster, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Looking at a regular salary. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, regular. Yeah. Uh, oh, some other people as well that maybe kind of disappeared here and there. Maybe stayed up there, like a uh, guy Les Chisnall. He's still up in Manchester as well. Piano player, really great piano player. Um. Yeah, so it was great. You know, they were a little bit older than us. So it was kind of meeting those guys was just great. You know, they were really encouraging. Learned so much from them. And there's no way, like, reached the level to get into college if it wasn't well, meeting them. So, uh, that was so you're gigging a lot in Manchester, youngster, then took the audition for bit, Ram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you came down to London, did you pretty much stay down south after that, after you finished your degree? Yeah, never went back. Was to my mum's despair. <laughs> <laughs> was yeah. there much of a change? I mean, obviously you'd seen the scene in Manchester. So the scene in Manchester compared to London, was there much difference? Because they're both thriving jazz scenes, aren't they? It was just, you know, it's just much bigger. And then there's just a lot more musicians. Um, I mean, I don't know what it's like now because I rarely go back, but mm-hmm. I'm guessing there's, um, I mean, I teach at Leeds College of Music. Mm. So I do, I'm kind of in touch with musicians that are kind of on that in the northern scene, if you like. Um, but yeah, I don't, you know, it's, it's just London is a little bit, I guess it's bigger and there's more musicians and there's more gigs. So breaking into the gig scene in London, I mean, presumably if you're at RAM, that's quite a good gateway that some of the guys there that are teaching you probably can get the door open a little bit for you. Would that be right? I'm always yeah. wondering how hard it is to break into a scene as a youngster. Yeah, I mean, it's... For me, I, I found it hard. I mean, I look at some of the students now because I do a lot of teaching mm. um, and I teach at the academy now mm. a little bit. And I, I mean, the most successful students, you know, when they come, they make that transition from, uh, from college to real world, if you like, mm-hmm. the world of work. They do, they do it very, very smoothly. So they kind of get out of people rather than being in a college bubble. Mm-hmm. And they're already doing gigs by the time they leave. So uh, my brother was like that, being a drummer. Did he follow you to Rem? Yeah, he, we both went the same year. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he was getting a lot of gigs and he was, he was doing gigs and stuff before, before he left. So his transition was 
pretty smooth. I was, I left and I didn't have anything, no gigs, nothing. I didn't do a single gig, I don't think, to college, you know. So it was um, more of a struggle. But uh, but that really helped. Matt being a drummer, he, he kind of recommended me for certain things. If people wanted a trumpet player or he'd tell people about me or I'd go to his gigs and sit in yeah, gig or whatever. So then, you know, that really helps. That, mm just meeting people and just kind of breaking onto the... Had you always set your stall out that it was you were going to be a musician? Was that when you, when you were at RAM had you, or did you have a game plan at all? I had no game plan, but I, <laughs> you know, ridiculous as it sounds now, but I mean, it's, I think it's a little bit different to now. Um, I mean, back then it was, I think people kind of have, have a bit more of a game plan. Students have a bit more of a game plan. There's more at stake, you know, it costs like 10 thousand pounds a year to like you know study music now i just put a daughter through a music degree so yeah right so (laughs) So you know know the pain i know the pain yeah and uh, we were lucky because we were the first well we were the last sorry the last uh generation the last very last year before fees came in Mm -hmm. and we still got a grant you know so i got a grant like not very you know not a lot but it was it helps to live yeah 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 and um I mean, gosh, I don't know how I, how I, anybody does it now, but what was my point here? Um, yeah, I didn't have a game plan. It was just like, I love music. I want to be a musician. And I decided that when I was 10. <laughs> so it was all about the music. And I wasn't thinking about, okay, I need to meet this person, do this, mm-hmm. go and do, try and get these skills together to do that and do this work and that work and try and get in. I just, I had no. No, clue. so just literally just, by going to the gig, sitting in, depping yeah, maybe occasionally I, I, and. Yeah, I knew I wanted to play jazz and I knew that. And it was it was kind of when I left college, it was baptism by fire, you know. We mm. took it well, it was ninety-eight and and it was I wasn't very clever. I there were certain skills that I that I I could have spent more time kind of getting together, but I didn't really have a clue. You know, I I do remember playing at the six oh six with the six oh six big band just mm-hmm. after I've left. Just realized that. I couldn't play the trumpet section. <laughs> you know, it's just like all these guys are like cutting off the notes and they're reading everything perfectly and like they're, they're so together, you know. And uh, I remember it was Noel Langley was on it and uh, Martin Shaw and somebody else. I can't remember who the other one was. And I was just like hanging on with my fingernails, you know. And I came away from that. I was like, okay, that's that's a lesson there, you know, a big lesson, you know, in, in the real world. And it's like, I have, I have to get together i have to be able to play the trumpet section so it was then it was kind of learning on the job you know so a, a couple of questions come to mind first of all a question i've never asked before if you had to sort of sum up the takeaway from a degree what do you think is the biggest thing you get is it the mixing with the contemporaries the guys you get to meet is it this the tutoring you get if there was one carry away from taking a degree if there's young people listening what would you say it would be oh gosh i would say um yeah, it's all of that that you just mentioned. It's like being a part of a of a of a year group, peer group and, and learning as much from your peers and playing with your peers as it is, you know, with the tuition that you get. I think jazz courses are, are quite different now to how they were back when I, you know, when I went to the academy, you know, twenty odd years ago. But um, I think there were probably a li- there were some things that were better and some things that are much better now. A lot of things that are much better now. I think. Yeah, it's 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 tuition. You know, somebody's is going to guide. Some people know they know what they want to do, and they and they know how to do it. You know, um, and there's so much information out there 
if they can if they can sift through the through the information and find the good information, you mm. know, on the internet and mm. stuff like that, that some people can do that, so they're laughing. Other people find that difficult and they get overwhelmed and confused. So that's when the instruction you'll get in at colleges and stuff, that's really, really gonna help. Mm. And also just playing, playing with people that are better than you, playing with, you know, your tutors and stuff like that and just getting that input daily about mm. what you're doing. Um, and just having that guidance, you know, if you're, if you're putting the work in, you know, you're going to get better. So, so, I, but having said that, I would say get out there, go to gigs, meet people, speak to people, speak to people that, that are playing and doing gigs and stuff like that. Cause that's really important. Meeting out in the get, real world. Yeah. Don't get stuck in your college bubble because then you're in trouble, you know.
course, we'll hear more from Steve a little bit later on in the show. But the track we just finished off the first part of the interview with there was called A Pocket Full of Grease, a track that you'll find on the album called On The Up. And I say all the records and numbers that we're hearing from Steve on the show this week, you'll find over at hardboprecords.com. Let's carry on now, though, with another track from our featured album this week, Nostalgia Machine from Mikhail Marnie. And it's another beautiful track called My Day with Pierre. Straight Ahead with David Lewis.
I mentioned that this is the second album from guitarist Mikhail Marnie. The first was called Bobby, and it was a concept album citing the life and experiences of controversial chess grandmaster Bobby Fischer. Well worth taking a listen to. And we've got another track from the album coming up just before the end of the show. Back to our guest this week, Steve Fishwick. We're going to jump to an album now called Martian Time Slip. It was released only on vinyl and it is available over at hardbobrecords.com. He released it uh, along with Alex Garnett and this is The Creep.
state of jazz in just a moment, but something you mentioned a second ago, which I hadn't really thought about much, was I'm, I'm taking it. There's very different skill sets then between playing frontline trumpet and playing in a big band. I've always loved big bands because I said I, that Heritage, my dad, took me to see Buddy Rich many times, Heath, Kent. So I think that was my kind of entry into jazz before I got into straight head jazz. But are there very different disciplines? If you're playing, you know, like the gig you got coming up at the six, the, the, the disciplines you exhibit there as opposed to playing part of a big band section? Uh, it's similar. Um, I think, I mean, all the people that I listen to, like the great quintets, um, like Horace Silver, Cannibal Adderley, all these people, um, you know, they played in big bands. Art Blake and Jazz Messages, you know, all mm -hmm. that stuff. They played in big bands. Um, so they took that kind of aesthetic to the small group. So they could play in sections. So if you've got like a trumpet player and a saxophone player playing together, they'll play incredibly tight and phrase together. So it sounds like one instrument mm -hmm. rather than two instruments playing, if you know what I mean. Um, and that's what you have to do in a big band. So if you can't do it in a big band, you can't do it because you're more exposed in a quintet where there's just Ten, uh, trumpet and saxophone or trumpet saxophone and trombone mm. so it's the same skills you know section playing ensemble playing blending that kind of thing i remember sitting in on one of my brother's gigs with a with a piano player called john bunch an american guy who was visiting at the time and he took me aside and he was like do you play in big bands and i was like well yeah sometimes and he was he was like well, i think that's important training for the discipline of it and at the time i didn't really understand but thinking back at it now i'm like yeah i can see that now because i'm looking back at the history of the music and it all really came from big bands you know small groups before there was small there was small group jazz mm -hmm. it was all big bands you indeed know? So yeah that's where they got the training from discipline and everything playing in a quartet quintet sextet whatever and being an educator, as, as you clearly are, uh, something that's really struck me recently is the state of jazz at the moment is in such an amazing place. I had, I've got an interview ready to run with Alex Ridout, for instance, somebody you'll be aware well of, you know, town like that, Deshnell Gordon we've had on, Zosa Cole, I mean, the, uh, Jackson Mathod. I mean, there's so much great talent out there. And again, there's, Leeds keeps coming up as being one of the places. Scotland at the moment is on fire. They're producing some great musicians. What do you think it is? Is it we've got our education system right, that the stronger the, 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 the jazz scene is, the stronger the candidates have to be, but it just seems it's in a really great place at the moment. I just think it's, I, yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, I think there's ex some excellent jazz courses out there now and some really excellent teachers um, and people who've really kind of focused on uh, you know, on the education side of things sometimes. Um, also this momentum maybe from like the eighties, like when I, you know, when I was getting into, into jazz in the late eighties, early nineties, it was like, you'll, you'll probably remember, you know, this huge jazz boom mm. and that there's kind of a momentum from that. And even got people who are coming up going to college now, they won't remember that, but part of the vortex. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, it's, I don't know, you know, there, there's obviously a huge interest in it, even if there isn't, it's not in the media and it's not in the, in the papers, it's not in on the TV or anything like that, but somehow people find this music and they want to play it. So 
it's uh, it's great. You know, and, it's, and the great thing is, in in normal times, virtually every day of the week, there is great jazz being played for virtually no fee. I mean, that's the thing. I'm not talking about the musicians. I'm actually talking about us as punters. But I mean, you know, it's it's very affordable. You can go and watch great jazz with frontline guys most days of the week, can't you? Oh, it's amazing. Like you can see for you know. I mean, after talking about this, or you know, I've talked about it in the past. People are actually a lot of people they don't realise the the quality of musicians that they can go and hear. Well, e- either for very little money or for free, mm. you know, because they. I think sometimes the average punter, if you like, if they're sat in a pub listening to a to somebody play, they're thinking, "Oh, well, if they were any good," or in the back of their mind, they're probably thinking, "If they were any good, they probably wouldn't be playing in a pub." You know, they'd, they'd be at the Albert Hall or something. But not realizing that they're sitting watching those, Jim Mullen or something. Yeah, yeah, those people might be playing at the Albert Hall tomorrow, or they might be playing at the Proms, or they might be playing at I don't know Ronnie Scott's tomorrow night, mm. or you know, bigger venues and, mm. and stuff like that. So it's yeah, I mean. That's the bread and butter gig of, of many, many jazz men is the pub and club scene, isn't it? I mean, absolutely, yeah. And then you get the sort of the cherries come along, where you say you might get the proms or something, because you've played with the BBC big band, haven't you? Yeah, a lot, yeah. And was that sort of fairly early on in your career when you were coming out onto the scene in London? Or uh, yeah, I mean, I remember doing a broadcast with uh, with an American drummer called John Riley and um, Michael Abent, composer and arranger. Uh, and they were looking for a trumpet player, like a jazz trumpet player. And uh, it was kind of an audition, not really an audition. They were they were looking for somebody, and I I wasn't ready. I was too green, and I wasn't no, I wasn't ready for it. So they they got they ended up getting Gerard to do it, um, mm-hmm. and he did it for for a while, a few years. And Gerard Presenza, Presenza, yeah, yeah. Let's say Gerard. <laughs> Who else is called Gerard? No, I was nodding. But, yeah, yeah, um, and uh, of. Of us three, fame, Cantaloupe, if anybody remembers that track. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, what's I going to say? Yeah, but then I didn't play with them for a little little while. And then I started, like, depping. And, I don't know, played with them many times since. So. And played with some of the greats as well, John Dankworth, Ron Carter, Anitro Day. I mean, you've played with a lot of the big names there as well, haven't you? Yeah, I've been quite lucky to, uh, well, very lucky to play with you know, those people. Yeah, some of some of my heroes. I mean, if somebody had, had told me twenty years ago, one day you'll be on stage with Ron Carter or Jimmy Heath or something, I would have been really, ah. yeah, not me, yeah, not right. me. <laughs> that happened to yeah. somebody else. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but yeah, I've been, I've been lucky. Yeah. And so, just briefly looking back at last year, I think we're all trying to forget it and move on. But did, were you able to sort of work on technique, or were you able still to do the? I mean, I know educating moved online, so presumably you were working with the students remotely. But from your own personal point of view, with no gigs, how did you sort of stay creatively focused? Well, it's lucky to have a lot of teaching, so that kept that kept me kind of involved in music and gave me a purpose to my life, which sounds kind of crazy, but I mean, no, I not a lot at all. Of musicians have been struggling with um, if you if they're just doing gigs. Mm. There's no, I mean, that, I think that not even like the financial side of it, but just the mental mm. thing about not having a a focus, you know. I spoke to Nigel fairly early on in lockdown uh, on the show, and he was saying he remembers th- those dark days where he just woke up not knowing what he was what supposed to be do. doing. Yeah, what what do you do? You know, and and I really feel for those those people. So I've just been incredibly lucky that I've had the teaching because that's that's just kept me busy and kept me focused. But other than that, I've just been 
Yeah, that, does that keep your traps in? I mean, working not with really. students? No, because <laughs> not really. I mean, it makes you think. It makes you think about you know your own playing, and, and sometimes I'm like, do this, and then I'm like, oh, I need to work on that <laughs> a little bit, you know. So it's uh, so sometimes it's yeah, it it can give you stuff. It makes you think about your own playing and how to develop it, you know. And you learn from them mm-hmm. a lot of times, you know, or. or things that try to solve their problems and kind of, you know, it, it can relate to your own playing too. So, um, but yeah, other than that, I've been practicing, you know, done a lot of practice um, and this project that we're playing at the 606. I was just going to come around to that. Yeah. So it's this Saturday, you're just looking at the lineup that's going to be with you. It's Leon Greening on piano um, and you've got Matthias Hoffiker on bass, haven't you? And Matt Home on drums. Great lineup. And what's the whole essence of the gig then? Talk to us about what people can expect to hear. And see. Well, it was it was a um, project that I kind of thought about doing because Leon's an old friend of mine, and so is Matt Home. Matthias is uh, is kind of a new. The past few years, I've known Matthias. The yeah, I've seen him play a couple of times. Yeah, um, he's just recently kind of moved over. Not the best time, <laughs> but from, he's from Hungary. You, you know, you may have recognised from the name, but um, but yeah, he's just kind of moved over the past few years, but. Um, yeah, it's kind of, Leon's an old friend and, and, and Matt is, and we used to play for about nine or 10 years in a, going back to pub gigs, you know, in a pub, uh, the Steels mm-hmm. in Chalk Farm at the top of Haverstock Hill there. We played there for nine or 10 years every Monday night, just kind of hard bop, bebop kind of arrangements, just from, from the records, mm-hmm. you know, nothing like we didn't kind of write our own music or anything like that. It was just playing classic kind of hard bop and bebop tunes, Horace Silver, Art Blakey, you know, uh, this kind of stuff. Um, and we kind of built a bit of a reputation. People still kind of talk about it now in, in North London and stuff. When people used to come down, you know, they still talk, kind of talk about it. And we, we haven't, I don't know, it's well over 10 years that, we, that the gig finished. But it was such a learning experience, such an amazing kind of um, period of time for me, musically, just kind of really lear- learning so much about the music, like just learning these tunes and playing it with like-minded people every week. Um, I just feel like I really, really improved. And we all did, I think. We, we improved just having that regular playing time, mm-hmm. regular performance every week. So it's kind of, I was kind of, you know, I played with Leon for a little while. We used to play together. We still play together sometimes with Matt Waits, his sextet mainly and uh, you know sporadically i'd see leon and i always just thought oh, I, you know he sounds so great and uh, he's playing great and and you know audiences love him he's got he's got a real way of connecting with um with audiences you know not by being flashy or, or even trying yeah. just through his playing mm. you know he just really connects with people and people just really they go crazy for it, you know. I, I know what I mean. When uh, you see a great pianist, it's that touch. It's so intimate. You just yeah. feel a little warmth, don't you? It's, a, it's wonderful. Yeah. So, um, so I was just kind of thinking of a, of, a, of a little project we could do together. And, um, and this, I just thought of this, like Bobby Timmons, the music of Bobby Timmons, great piano player who played with Art Blake and the Jazz Messengers and Cannibal Adderley. Uh, people have mentioned big writer as well wasn't he yeah he composed a lot of tunes and he wrote some great arrangements of standards so we've been kind of delving into the old records and uh, 
And and I mean, Leon is absolutely obsessed with Bobby Timmons. He's like one of his uh, huge idols and mm-hmm. biggest inspirations. Uh, so it's perfect, you know. It's just a perfect. I love the music too. So it's kind of it's it's just a perfect kind of thing to do. And it's also kind of harking back to those old days where we used to play every Monday night at the Steel. So it's kind of a little bit nostalgic. It just feels great, you know. To and it's so much fun, you know. We've been rehearsing over lockdown and stuff and and it's really accessible music um even if you know you're not a huge jazz fan it's kind of blues based and kind of what you would might call what they used to call back in the 50s early 60s soul jazz um i mean dat dare is one of his numbers isn't it for instance so that give people an idea because that's obviously a very recognizable number but when you sort of say soul jazz that's kind of the feeling isn't it that yeah yeah that lick. Is this the first airing of this this project then? It is. We were supposed to have one in Peterborough, mm-hmm. uh, but that got cancelled because um, of the lockdown. Uh, so yeah, this is this will be the very first gig with this particular project that we've done. So so that's all down at the six this coming Saturday. It's a great lineup you can see down there, along with Steve mentioned. We've got Leon obviously on the piano and uh, Matt on the drums and Matthias. Am I getting his surname right? Hafeka. Is that right? Matthias Hofecker. Hofecker, yes. I was a surname. I was like, oh, I think I got it right. So that's all. It probably in Hungarian is completely <laughs> different. But it's good enough. It's good enough. Yeah. He'll know what we're talking yeah. about. And it's going to be streamed as well. And if you want to try and catch up with Steve, he's around on social media. He's got a great website, which is definitely worth taking a look at. I spent some time on it yesterday, which is stevefishwickjazz.com. So some information about Steve there. And you're on Twitter as well, at stevefishwick2. So um, you can catch up with what Steve's doing and where he's playing. And hopefully, is the gig scene opening up again for you now? Are you finding that there's the bookings coming in? Uh, a little bit, a little bit, slowly, slowly, slowly trickling in. So um, just keeping my fingers crossed, things stay open. Stay open, I know. Start, you know, progressing. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. We need a little bit of certainty, don't we? That's what we need. Yes, you do. You know? Yeah. And yeah. on the education side, is that more or less, but you, you up at Leeds in person now? Or, well, no, it's yeah. in between time yeah. at the moment. You start back in October, I take it, dear? Uh, late September, but yeah, it's going strong. You know, people are apparently there's more, you know, more trumpet players than ever at all the colleges. So it's, uh, it's going strong. Brilliant. Strong, so yeah. We'd like to know that the future jazz is in good hands. So as mentioned, you can see Steve and all the lads down at the club this coming Saturday. Keep an eye on your socials for uh, more gigs that are coming up. And uh, Steve, been great having you on Straight Head. Thank you so much for your time. I know you're busy, so I'll let you get on with your day, but fantastic chatting with you. Thanks a lot. Steve, hope the gig goes well. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks very much.
Finishing up our interview with Steve with another track lifted from the album on the up and up. We've got one more track to play from the album, actually, in a little while's time. But uh, we just listened to the hit. And what I thought it would be appropriate to do as Steve is uh, performing at the club on Saturday, along with Leon Greening, is hear a track from Leon. We've got that lined up, ready to play next on the show this week. We're going to listen to action. Straight ahead with the 606 Club and David Lewis.
here at the club. We are getting ready for next weekend. It's Jazz on the Lawn time once again. Takes place down at Fulham Palace. Tickets are on sale now. They're selling quickly, so pop on over to the website and make sure you get your tickets. On Friday, the 13th of August, we've got Polly Gibbons. And then on Sunday, the 15th of August, it is the time for Lex Cameron to take to the stage along with Mary Pierce. So a little bit earlier on, we played something from Ray Gelato, who's with us at the club on Thursday this week, along with pianist Marco Marconi. I've got something from Marco lined up to play next. It's a track that features Max Ionata, and we're about to listen to FMPOV.
Marco Marconi, who's on stage at the club this Thursday, along with the godfather of swing, Ray Gelato. He's played twice for Her Majesty the Queen and also at Sir Paul McCartney's wedding as well. He's recently released a new album called Lockdown But Not Out. There's going to be tracks featured from that. And the uh, gig itself is saluting the swing tenor sax masters. All to look forward to at the club this coming Thursday. Pop on over to the website 606club. .co.uk. I mentioned that we had one more track to play from the album on the up and up from our guest this week, Steve Fishwick, and that plays next is Swanee River.
I mentioned what a busy week it was for us at the club this week. Well, on Sunday at eight o'clock, Emma Hatton takes to the stage. She's a very, very interesting artist, not only an impressive jazz and blues singer, as we're about to hear in just a moment with her rendition of A Standard, but she's also one of the leading ladies of West End Theatre, having appeared in shows such as Avita and Les Miserables. This coming Sunday, she's going to be on stage along with John G. Smith on piano and Don Richardson on the bass. And I mentioned we have a wonderful standard lined up to play, and it's this, her version of these foolish things.
be The winds of March that make my heart a dancer A telephone that rings but who's to answer Oh how the ghost of you clings These foolish things remind me of you foolish things, uh, as I say, with us at the club this coming Sunday. Many thanks indeed for your company over the last couple of hours. I hope you enjoyed the music. Thanks as ever to our guest trumpeter Steve Fishwick, who is with us at the club on Sunday, along with Leon Greening. Don't forget, go and check out the gig details at 606club.co.uk. And whilst there, make your uh, reservations for Jazz on the Lawn, which takes place next weekend. Come rain, come shine, we're going to have gigs. And uh, all the details are over on the website, hopefully. Might even see you down there. And uh, don't forget also to check out tracks from our featured album this week from guitarist Mikhail Marnie, Nostalgia Machine. And we've got one more track to play from that beautiful album that we've been featuring this week, and it's going to play us out on the show now. It's a lovely track and a perfect way to finish. We're going to listen to Almost There from Mikhail Marnie. Thanks for your company, and I'll see you at the same time next week for more wonderful jazz and conversation. Mm -hmm.